today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He very gently, if we allow him, he'll never force himself on us, but if we allow him, he'll take his finger and he'll put it on that area in our lives. See, that's what I'm trying to show you. This has got to go. Because if you don't deal mercilessly with this, it's going to deal mercilessly with you. You know, if someone's coming at me with a knife, I'm going to do everything I can to dislodge that knife from his hand. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Do you have any sin in your life that God is calling you to put to death? It's easy not to take sin seriously sometimes, but the truth is that it leads to death. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will help you find freedom from the sin that is holding you down. Pray right now and ask God to reveal that sin to you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 16 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We as Christians, as God's people, are not exempt from the fate that is suffered by the world. You know that verse that says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike? When I was a relatively new believer, I thought that was like, yeah, God, get them. But rain's a good thing in an agricultural world and society. In other words, what God is saying is, hey, I'm going to provide rain for the good as well as the righteous. I mean, the, the evil as well as the righteous. So being God's people, righteous, walking uprightly in Christ as Christians, we are not exempt because we live in this fallen world. Our children die. I've had a daughter die. We're not exempt from this. But there does come times, and this is one of those times, where God in his love for Jeremiah wants to protect Jeremiah from what he knows is coming. Now, this is going to be a trial unto itself, because he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtaineth favor from the Lord, right? My wife made me memorize that verse, (laughs) so it's a good thing. And oh, by the way, in that culture, and if you were single and had no children, you were looked at as the curse of God is on you. Now, if you're married and you didn't have children, you were barren, you were seen as cursed of God. And conversely, if you had many children, you were seen as blessed by God, because God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And we know from Scripture that children are a gift from the Lord. So for Jeremiah not to get married, for Jeremiah not to have children, not only is God protecting him from what he knows is coming, protecting him from the greater trial, this not taking a wife and not having any children would have visually outwardly caught the attention of Judah. 
They would have taken notice of that. And we're going to see that again here in a moment. Verse 5. For thus says the Lord, it gets worse by the way, Do not enter the house of mourning, nor go to lament or bemoan them, for I have taken away my peace from this people, says the Lord, loving kindness and mercies. Both the great and the small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried, neither shall men lament for them, cut themselves, nor make themselves bald for them. (laughs) Okay, what's up with this? Well, this was the custom. In the pagan way, they would cut themselves in mourning the death of someone, and they would shave their heads bald. Now, sometimes you don't have to, you know, for some of us, that's unnecessary. It uh, comes very naturally. Thank you very much. But they would do that as an outward display of mourning. And what God is saying to Jeremiah is, I don't want you doing anything. I don't want you attending their memorial services. And I certainly don't want anyone lamenting or mourning the way the pagans do by cutting themselves and shaving themselves. Nor, verse 7, shall men break bread in mourning for them to comfort them for the dead, nor shall men give them the cup of consolation to drink for their father or their mother. Also, verse 8, you shall not go into the house of feasting to sit with them to eat and drink. Okay, wait a minute. Let me see if I got this straight. So, Lord, you're telling me not only can I not get married and have children, but when someone dies, I can't attend the memorial service. And if somebody gets married, I can't go to the wedding either. Yeah. Why? Because your absence is going to send the message visually, outwardly, that I need you to send. Because now you've got their attention. And again, this is a cultural dynamic. I learned this the hard way, by the way, on the mainland in the Arab family. You better go to that memorial service out of respect. They don't notice who's at the memorial service in an Arab service. They take notice of who's not there. Oh, this is like anathema. Because it's, it's a disrespect, it's a dishonoring. It doesn't matter if there's a feud, they hated you, you hated them. Isn't it interesting, by the way? at a memorial service, all the kind things that people say. I always, I'm digressing here, just bear with me and indulge me. But I always ask myself the question of, why didn't you say that about them when they were alive? Man, when they're dead, it's, it's like, can I share this? This, uh, this is so good. It's been a while. So anyway, this pastor is approached by this guy, very wealthy guy, well known in the community. And his brother had just died, and he wanted the pastor to do the memorial service. These guys were, I mean, wicked, evil. They were just con men. 
And they were known for that, their reputation as being dishonest, no integrity. And so he approaches the pastor and got a lot of money, and he says to the pastor, I'll, I'll pay off your building if you'll say something nice about my brother at his memorial service, and that you'll say that he was a saint. And the pastor's like, deal. Wait a minute, this guy was no saint. This guy was rotten to the core. So it comes time for the memorial service. Pastor gets up. There's the brother front row. Okay, now, I'm going to pay off your building. you got to say my brother was a saint. So the pastor proceeds and talks about this man, the deceased. He was crooked as crooked comes. He was a con man. He ripped off and cheated so many people. He was very wicked, very dishonest, very corrupt. Every dollar he made, he did by cheating people out of their money. The brother is mortified. Wait a minute. But then he says this, but compared to his brother, this man was a saint. I know. I'm sorry. I love that. I think. But anyway, back to our Bible study already in progress. So Jeremiah, I don't want you going to the memorial services, and I don't want you showing up at the weddings, because by virtue of your presence, there's going to be this implied consent. It's almost like you're endorsing them. And here's the bigger issue, Jeremiah. If you show up at a memorial service when someone dies because of my judgment, and you show up at that memorial service, they're going to look at you and say, yeah, God's not just, is He? And you're mourning with them? That's going to send the wrong message. And and again, by virtue of his absence, it would get their attention. They would take notice, and they would start asking questions. And that's the whole point. God wants them to ask questions. So you have a visual prophecy here, outwardly, because God is doing everything and stopping at nothing to get their attention, so they will repent. They don't. He's trying. And we're going to see it at the end of the chapter. He's pleading with them through Jeremiah, please come to your senses. Return to the Lord. Repent. Your backslidings are many. So I think it was chapter 12, remember? He has Jeremiah get a sash and take it all the way to Babylon, a picture prophetically of them being taken captive to Babylon, and bury it and ruin it and then bring it back and wear it, that's going to get their attention. They're going to start asking questions. What in the world is going on? What's up with this sash? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, because Judah is this sash. You're going to be carried away to Babylon, where I took this sash, and you're going to be taken captive unless you repent. And the whole sash, and again, we talked about this uh, several hundred miles one way, and Jeremiah goes there twice. And this would have taken probably a period of at least, conservatively, six months. And they would have noticed Jeremiah with his new sash, 
And all of a sudden now, where did his sash go? And then where did Jeremiah go? He'd been gone for a while. And then all of a sudden he shows back up, and now he's got that, what happened to the sash? What happened to the sash is going to happen to you. And he's communicating to them a message prophetically that they would have never otherwise heard had it not been for the visual outwardly. And this is the same thing here, on a smaller scale, arguably. But they would start asking questions because now, outwardly, he's got their attention. Why are you not marrying a wife, Jeremiah? Why are you not having children? Because they're going to die gruesome deaths. That's why. We're going to see that here in a moment. Uh, Jeremiah, why don't you why don't you show up at Uncle's memorial service? Because God said not to go, because it would seem like I was in agreement with you and mourning with you when this is the judgment of God, and it would bring into question the justice of God. And the other thing, and the other reason why I didn't show up at your uh, daughter's wedding either, is because this is no time for celebration. Judgment's coming. And Judah's going to be taken captive. And everyone is going to die gruesome deaths, either by the sword or by famine. And you're not even going to be able to bury them. And that's a that's huge. And again, you'll forgive the graphic nature of it, but for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field to eat the carcasses of their children? Unthinkable, unimaginable. And see, by doing what he's doing and not doing what God said, I don't want you doing, would have accomplished what God wanted to accomplish. See, sometimes, and this is true in our lives, this is what I love about God's Word, it speaks to right where you're at in your life. God will do whatever it takes. He'll meet you right where you're at. And He'll, whatever means possible, He will tax the moon and the stars, whatever it takes, to get our attention. If this is what it takes, then so be it. I have to do it. Well, verse 9, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will cause to cease from this place before your eyes, and in your days the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. And by the way, if that sounds uh, familiar like the book of Revelation, that's because almost verbatim this is in the book of Revelation. Uh, These are things that we take for granted, right? Hearing people laughing, gone. The voice of gladness, gone. The voice of celebration, gone. We read earlier, even the the singing of the birds, gone. They're all gone. Things that we take for granted, that we don't hear anymore in the busyness of our lives. Verse 10, and it shall be, and I want you to pay particular attention to what is said here in verse 10. When you show this people all these words. Wait, what? Is that translated correctly? Because isn't it when you say to these 
people, all these words? No. When you show this people all these words, are you with me? You see where I'm going, right? See, this is what I want to show them through you, Jeremiah. And when you show them by not taking a wife, when you show them like what you did with the sash, when you show them by not having any children, when you show them by not showing up at their memorial services or their weddings, when you show this people all these words and they say to you, ah, here it comes. Why has the Lord pronounced all this great disaster against us? Oh, now we have your attention. Oh, now you're starting to ask the questions that all of this was intended to bring about. See, you wouldn't have this not happened, and I showed you all of these things, you would not have asked me these questions. Why has the Lord pronounced all this great disaster against us? Or what is our iniquity? Or what is our sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? Oh, would to God that this would be our first response and not our last resort when adversity strikes. Lord, why? What is it that you want me to see here? Obviously, you want to get my attention and you want to show me something that heretofore I've not been able to see. And you've gone to great lengths in order to show me. What is it, Lord? And then brace yourself for the answer. And don't chafe against it. And don't despise it when the Lord chastises you, because He chastises those whom He loves. God will go to great lengths to correct and redirect us, because He loves us so much. And he sees us going down this path, this way that seems right unto man, but it's the way that leads to death. You're going down the wrong path. You've chosen the wrong way. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to stop you. I'm trying to correct you. I, I don't want to see you needlessly and unnecessarily suffer the consequences of your disobedience. I'm trying to stop you. So you'll stop and consider your ways. So now they're asking, it worked. These are the questions that they needed to be asking. Lord, what is it? Why? What is our iniquity? And, and by the way, when God does this, and I know you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this, He's so gentle. <laughs> He very gently, if we allow Him, He'll never force Himself on us, but if we allow Him, He'll take His finger and He'll put it on that area in our lives. See, that's what I'm trying to show you. This has got to go. Because if you don't deal mercilessly with this, it's going to deal mercilessly with you. You know, if someone's coming at me with a knife, I'm going to do everything I can to dislodge that knife from his hand. 
because I know that knife's the deciding factor. But if someone's coming at me with a knife to perform surgery to remove cancer that could kill me, totally different response. And so here's the point before we move on. I think we would do well, again, to let God search our hearts. And when we ask Him, Lord, what is it? You got my attention. What, what is the iniquity in my heart that has taken residence in my life that you want out of my life? And the Lord just ever so gently puts His finger on it and says, this is the sin. And, and I, I want to get it out of you before it kills you. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. If you don't do that, it will kill you. It will hurt you. Don't you want, with your children, anything that would pose harm to them or hurt them? Wouldn't you want to remove it from them? Verse 11, then you shall say to them. Now this is the Lord's response through the prophet Jeremiah to their questions. Can you ask, what what is your iniquity? Why is it that you have brought this against us? This This is the answer. Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, says the Lord. They have walked after other gods and have served them, and worshipped them, and have forsaken me, and not kept my law. And you have done worse than your fathers. What they did was bad, but what you're doing is even worse. For behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart, so that no one listens to me. Two things real quick. Following your heart? Well, Jeremiah, well, God through the prophet Jeremiah is going to remind us, a much needed reminder, that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. (laughs) So if I'm going to follow my heart, I'm going to be deceived. I'm going to be led astray. No, I'm not going to follow the dictates of my own evil heart, deceitful heart. I'm going to follow the Lord. Because what I found in my walk with the Lord is that oftentimes my heart is on the opposite end of the table. And if I follow it, it will mean not following the Lord and vice versa. Here's a second thing. Well, I don't really hear God speaking to me. Oh, He's speaking. God is always speaking. That's not the question. That's the wrong question. For the wrong question, there is no right answer. You have to get the question right before you can get the answer right. The right question to ask is, no, God is always speaking. The question is, am I listening? Because we just read here that they weren't listening. I was talking. I I was showing them. I was going to great lengths to speak to them, to reveal myself to them, but they would have nothing to do with it. They would not listen to me. They would stop their ears, dull of hearing, 
they wouldn't hear it. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.